uh, if you don't know me, and uh, been part of Liz and I have been part of Riverside for uh, the last six or seven years. And uh, during the week, I work at Exmouth Community College. And we've got four children, and we live in Chudley. So if you don't know us, that's a potted introduction <laughs> to us. <laughs> um, and uh, PJ, great synchronised sniffing, isn't it? I mean, that's, that's, uh, we, got, we, could, we, could, we could have that in Riverside News, couldn't we? That, that was, that was marvellous. Um, uh, what I'd like to do as we start this morning is to, is to pray over us the words of St Paul uh, in Ephesians 1, verse 19, with one slight change from you to we. Um, and if that's okay, I'd just like to read these words over us too, uh, as because, because what we're going to do now for the next 25 minutes or so is not, it's not a separate part of the service. It's a continuation of the worship that we've just been singing and praying and thinking about and giving to God. So Ephesians 1 verse 19, Paul says this, I also pray, uh, and this is our prayer for ourselves, we also pray that we will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honour at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Can we pray that this morning? We'll understand that incredible greatness. No. <laughs> That's going to be a tricky... The next 25 minutes is going to be a bit tricky. The answer to that was yes, <laughs> or amen, or something like that. Something, something to show you're still here. So, shall we try that again? Are we, are we able to pray that we'll understand a little bit more about the incredible greatness of God's power? Yes. Oh, phew. Okay. Um, I don't know about you, a bit of honesty now. Um, Could you just raise your hand if you've ever prayed the kind of prayer that goes along the lines of you just walk, you're driving towards a a meeting or a shopping center or something like that, and you're in a bit of a hurry or a bit pressed for time, so you find yourself praying the prayer that says, Lord, it'd be really great if there was a parking space available just near. Oh, Ali's hand straight up there like that. Let's be, oh, yes. Uh, For the benefit of the podcast, it's really great that you've joined us on the podcast as well. There was about 5,000 hands just went up. (laughs) That's not true. Uh, Yes, myself included. And and I was wondering, when you pray that kind of prayer, what do we think is going to happen? One of you will start thinking about it. I wonder if we think that suddenly God is going to create a parking space out of nothing. You imagine you're a pedestrian and you're walking down the street (laughs) and all of a sudden, kapow! (laughs) This parking space appears beautifully tarmacked with a nice little white line around it and then Graham Allen comes along and goes straight in like that. That would be amazing, wouldn't it? You know, it might be that there are about 100 extra parking spaces around Tesco's and Sainsbury's in Devon, purely as a result of my prayers. <laughs> it would sort out the council's problems, wouldn't it? That's amazing. And do we believe God can do that? Of course we do. Is he likely to? Probably not. Or would he maybe have a, an invisibility shield that he puts over in an existing parking space that nobody else can see it until I drive up and then, oh, there it is, and I can drive into it. That, that would be cool as well, but I'm not sure that that happens. Let's make it a bit more controversial. Ooh. Imagine that I'm coming to a meeting at Riverside in the evening and I'm running a little bit late. So I'm praying, Father, it would be really good if I could find a parking space just outside Riverside, and that would save me at least a minute from parking in the car park down the road. And Aaron's coming to the same meeting, and he's coming from the other direction, and he's running a little bit late as well. And he's saying the same prayer, Lord, it'd be really great if there was a parking space just outside the church. And what happens if there's one parking space just outside the church? You know, do we have a prayer? (laughs) Do we have a great British pray-off? <laughs> or, or do we, 
do we kind of, is it the one of us who scrunches our eyes tight, the, sh- the tightest, the sh- and gets the parking space? Don't do that, by the way. Don't pray and close your eyes and drive at the same time. <laughs> That's not a good idea. You know, what would happen? Uh, and it's an interesting prayer, isn't it? It's an interesting prayer. It's a prayer we pray, and I'm sure God does answer those prayers from time to time. But we have, uh, and uh, from the outset this morning, I want to confirm and say everything we've sung and said about so far is I believe in a God who is omnipotent. I believe in a God who is all-powerful. I believe that God can do anything. I believe God can do impossible things. I believe God can, uh, and I believe God has created the universe and all the things that we know and don't know uh, that's in it at the moment. I believe that God can raise the dead. I believe that God can bring healing. I can believe that God can transform uh, relationships. I believe that God can transform um, societies and communities. I believe all of those things. Is there anybody else who believes those? I believe in those things. But I also find in my own life, in my own situation, that there is a tension between acknowledging the, um, the omnipotence of God on the one hand and, and, and the pain and the difficulty of unanswered prayer on the other. And I'm sure I'm not alone in that this morning or if you're listening to this, that there'll be people here who are, who, who are going through that or have been through that or, or know people who are going through that. Is if God is so powerful and if, if we can bring these things like parking spaces to God uh, and we've got far more bigger significant things that we bring to God than that, uh, how do we deal with that mystery of unanswered prayer? Jeff Lucas talks about the mystery of answered prayer. He says sometimes, actually, it's, uh, it's answered prayer that causes him to, to think a little bit because he says, well, if God answered that prayer, why didn't he answer this prayer? And, and we're all or have been in those sorts of situations. And I want to recommend to you, um, so, so what we're looking at this morning, if we have the next slide, please, is thinking about knowing God as part of our, as part of our series. And we're knowing God through his power. And I want to explore that this morning with that particular emphasis and how do we know God's power in a place where maybe our prayers don't appear to be being answered. Is that okay? Is that okay? Okay, so if we have the, the next slide, I think. Um, um, there's a book that I would recommend. Um, I've just finished reading it. Uh, it's a great book by Pete Grieg, the, uh, the founder of the 24-7 prayer, meet, uh, prayer movement. Um, uh, it's called God on Mute. Um, and it's about how the, dealing with the silence of God uh, in an answered prayer, and he talks through his own situation, his wife's situation of, of an ongoing illness, uh, and, and how they how they have processed that. And in the book, he talks about three reactions that people have to dealing with unanswered prayer. The first one, he says, is that some people decide that God is not all powerful. They will look at all the suffering that's going on around them, and they will say, "Well, if this is going on, God cannot be all powerful. God must be limited in some way." Or they might look at the situation and say, well, we, I believe that God's all-powerful, but therefore he cannot be all-loving. If he allows these things to happen, they will put a limit on the love of God. And then maybe most sadly of all, uh, some people will become resigned. Uh, they will be numb. They will give up. They will stop uh, um, meeting with other Christians. They will stop going to church, and they will give up on their relationship with God. And all three of those are understandable. All three of those, we can have sympathy with all three of those. But it's not the way that the Bible suggests that we should approach this situation. And there's a character I want us to look at this morning who experienced this kind of tension firsthand, and that is Job. Uh, And so we're going to just spend a little bit of time in the book of Job, if you have a Bible with you. Very brief summary, we're going to be looking particularly at verse 42. 
um, but, uh, chapter 42, sorry. But just as a very brief overview, if you're not familiar with the story, Job is a person in the Old Testament, um, and God allows Satan, allows the devil to test him and to bring suffering into his life. And as a result of that, in chapters 1 and 2, Job loses his family, his livestock, his staff, his house, uh, and he's struck with illness as well. He doesn't have a, a particularly good time of it. And in chapters 3 to 37, we get a whole sequence of complaints from Job about, about what's going on. And then his three friends who come along and try and help him, but aren't very helpful, uh, and say, well, it must be your fault. Um, you know, God, you've obviously done something to displease God, uh, which, which Job doesn't find terribly helpful. And we get verses like these. Let me just read a few of these. These are not the kind of verses you get on your fridge, um, generally. <laughs> Let the day of my birth be erased. You wouldn't have that on your fridge, would you? Don't I have a right to complain? My bitter soul must complain. Why do you reject me? You formed me with your hands. You made me, yet now you completely destroy me. Glad you came. Graham's just lowering, lowering the mood after that. But that's how Job was. That's how Job felt. And he was right to come to God and say, I don't understand what is going on. And God does never say to us, don't come with your questions. Don't come with your, your worries and your wonders and your laments. Do not come like that. Do not worry about coming to me with those. I'm big enough. I can take those things. And then Job gets a little bit bolder and says to God in chapter 13, verse 22, now summon me and I will answer. Let me speak to you and you reply. Let the Almighty answer me. A bit later on. So he's getting a bit bolder there. Say, I'm going to take on God. Yeah, I'm going to see God, and God's going to give me an explanation, and God's going to tell me why, uh, why all of these are things are going on. And we can understand with that, we can understand, we can sympathize with that viewpoint. Why me? Why me? Why is this happening to me? Why is my prayer not being answered and somebody else's prayer is being answered? God, I need you to explain yourself. And then there's this great verse, which I really like. In chapter 38, uh, at the beginning, it says, God says to Job, brace yourself. Brace yourself. I don't know if you've ever been on one of those kind of roller coasters uh, where you're kind of sitting at the top of a really tall um, drop and the little black things come down over you and you turn to the person next to you and you go, brace yourself, because you know you're coming in for an exhilarating ride. And God's saying to Job, okay, Job, you've asked the question. Here's the answer. I'm going, to, I'm going to reveal something of my power. I'm going to reveal something of who I am to you. Uh, and you need to brace yourself. So are we ready? Do you want to turn to the person next to you? Just say, brace yourself. <laughs> okay. okay. Very, now, we're not all going to go, woo, like that. Is it? No, we're in a roller coaster. Okay. Uh, but we're going to brace ourselves because then Job peppers, uh, sorry, God peppers Job with a whole sequence of questions. And just again, a few examples like that. And um, I'm going to add a bit to the Bible. I know you're not allowed to do that. So if we need to erase it from the tape, that's okay. Um, but I'm just going to add a little imaginary bit of what Job might be saying. Okay, so, so just a few verses taken from 38 to 40. God says, have you ever commanded the morning to appear? Nope. <laughs> Can you direct the movement of the stars? Nope. Can you direct the sequence of the seasons? Um, you think, nope. Will you discredit my justice? Uh-uh. Are you as strong as God? No. And there's just this chapter after chapter of God revealing his power to Job through a series of questions which direct Job to the universe, to the power, to his creations. And, and every time Job has to say, no, no, I can't answer that. 
And so if you're in your Bible, and we're now at chapter 42, if I could just read verses 1 to 6 together or with us. Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do anything and no one can stop you. You asked, who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? It is I. And I was talking about things I knew nothing about, things far too wonderful for me. You said, listen, and I will speak. I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. I had only heard about you before, but now I see you. I have seen you with my own eyes. I take back everything I said, and I sit in dust and ashes to show my repentance. And, and if there's one word that I'd want us to take away this morning, um, if we're in that situation of unanswered prayer, and that is the word revelation. But revelation, because God does not give Job an explanation, he gives him a revelation. He gives him a revelation, not an explanation. He doesn't explain how he works. He explains and shows who he is. And as part of our series, Knowing God, that's our prayer for each one of us, is that we know God more. We know his glory, we know his honor, and we know his power a little bit more every time we meet together, every time we're in our place of work, every time we're in our family, every time we're in our community, that we see a little bit more of God's power in display. Would you like to see a little bit more of God's power at work? Oh, fantastic. And so I just want to, in the time we've got left, I just want to look at four things that Job has said and just pick up on those. And hopefully we'll be able to then come to a time of prayer and response at the end where we just say, God, I want a revelation. I want to know you more. And I want to know that through your power. And so we'll be inviting you to just think about your situations, think about the people you love, think about your own position, and to be able to say to God, yeah, I'd love a revelation of who you are. So verse 2, uh, if we look at Job's reply, first of all, in verse 2, he says this, I know you can do anything and no one can stop you. Another translation says your purposes cannot be thwarted. Um, in the book that I mentioned, God on Mute, um, uh, Pete Greig talks about a meeting he had with the American preacher and uh, speaker Floyd McClung. Uh, in Spring Harvest, probably in about the 1990s, I think this was. Um, and, uh, and Floyd McClung was in Spring Harvest uh, in this country, and he got news that his daughter and his future grandchild were at serious risk of uh, death, uh, medical complications. Uh, and he was, in, he was in this country, they were in America, it was a really tough situation for him, and he was really wrestling with that situation. Why would God allow this to happen? And he went for a walk on the beach, and, and he told Pete afterwards, he said, I was reflecting on the words of Corrie ten Boom, the Dutch lady who, who uh, rescued so many Jews during the, during the Second World War. And Corrie ten Boom had said this to him, if it gives God greater glory for me to live, I will live. If it gives God greater glory for me to die, then I will die. And that really brought Floyd McClung up short. He said, can I get to a point in my praying where I'm saying to God, whatever happens in this situation, I want you to receive the glory. And so if it gives you greater glory for this to happen, then so be it. If it gives you greater glory for them to be healed, then so be it. Um, and he was able to come to that point of praying that prayer. And then that evening he got the call to say that both daughter and grandchild were fine and had been healed. But that doesn't happen for everybody. And it's not about the outcome. It's about are we able to put the situation into God's hand and say, whatever brings you greater glory. That's what I want. And that's not an easy thing. It's not an easy thing. But it's what Job came to realize. And of course, we have the, maybe one of the greatest unanswered prayers of all. As Jesus uh, prepared to go to the cross in Mark 14, verse 36, he says to his father, everything is possible for you, but please take this cup of suffering away from me. A prayer that ultimately was not answered in the way that Jesus would have wanted. But he then said, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Can we come to that point 
where we say to God, I know nothing can stop you. Your purposes, however I don't understand them, your purposes are good. and Your purposes cannot be stopped. Verse 3, uh, Job talks, uh, he says, I was, doing, I was talking about things I knew nothing about. Dangerous thing for a teacher to, to preach on, really. Um, so I, was, I, was, I, I was talking about things I knew nothing about. And I thought, at this point, I thought we could do a little exercise, if that's right. Not physical exercise, don't worry. Um, I think if, you, if you've got a piece of paper and a pen with you, would you mind just turning to it? And if you haven't, it's not a very difficult exercise. So could you uh, imagine a piece of paper and a pen? Is that all right? Can we do that? Yeah, okay, so we've got a piece of paper and a pen. Um, this is an exercise, I was listening to a talk a couple of weeks ago on imagination and creativity, and this, this, this exercise the speaker did really um, interested me, caught my attention, uh, so I thought I would try it this morning as a little exercise. Um, so on your piece of paper, what I'd like you to do, please, or imaginary piece of paper, is could you draw a box? Box. Okay, so either draw a box or imagine drawing boxes. And then secondly, after you've drawn a box, please could you put a dot on the piece of paper? Put a dot on the piece of paper. And that's the end of the exercise. You'll be relieved to know. Okay? So hopefully you've got either a piece of paper in front of you with a, a box and a dot on it, or you have imagined a piece of paper with a box and a dot on it. Is that okay? Has everyone got that? Great, okay, now we're going to do a quick quiz, quick survey, so please be honest and put your hands up so I can report for the people on the podcast who are doing this at home. Um, if you drew a square or rectangular two-dimensional box somewhere, on the, somewhere in the middle of the page, could you just put your hand up? Right, for the benefit of the podcast, there's probably about three-quarters of the room, fantastic. If you drew a square or rectangle that filled most of the page, could you put your hand up? No big thinkers there. No, that's all right. <laughs> okay, that's all right. Could you put, and, 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 and what happened in this talk was he kept going, and I thought, okay, yeah, that's probably exhausted all the possibilities, and then he would come up with another one. So, so how many of you do a three-dimensional box? Oh, that's about cool. Oh, ah, you see, and then we get that. Oh, didn't think of that, people saying. Didn't think of that. And that's what I really, that's what I really loved about this talk, this, this exercise. He's saying there's always another bit you can imagine. Yeah, you thought, okay, and, and I, I was at the small box in the middle of the page. That, that was my, my reaction. Uh, so, oh, I never thought of drawing a three-dimensional box. Of course I did. Of course you could. Okay, what about the dot? How many of you put the dot inside the box? That's about half. How many of you put it somewhere outside the box? So outside the box thinkers. Brilliant. <laughs> okay, uh, and so I thought, okay, that's good. He's going to move on to the next point. And then he said this, which really caught me up short. He said, how many of you turn the piece of paper over and put the dot on the other side. And for the benefit of the podcast, everyone's going, oh, <laughs> I didn't think of that. Uh, and, and I just got to that point, and I was listening to this, and, and I was thinking, that's, that's what Job is experiencing. He's realizing that his imagination, there's always more to imagine. There's always something else you can imagine. You think you've got to uh, understanding something about God, and then he'll show you something else. And he'll place things in a different way. He'll talk about things in a different way. And you'll suddenly think, oh, I've never thought of that before. I'm so thankful to God for showing that to me. And it's a question of whether we can have an imagination that is, that is willing and surrendered to God to say, I'm willing to learn more. I'm willing to take another step in understanding that revelation of who you are. I know I'll never understand you fully, God. I know I can't put you in a box. I know I won't ever understand everything, but I want to imagine more. I want to understand more. I want to have more revealed to me. I'm willing to do that. And I'm so thankful every time I learn something more about you. There's always something more to be imagined about the power of God. 
Uh, and that, that relates to, um, to, to this question we're looking at of unanswered prayer. Because I think um, in, uh, in the book, Tim Chester is quoted about the message of prayer. He's written a book called The Message of Prayer. Uh, and I'll try and summarise what he says. He says something like this. He says, if, um, if, if, I'm, if I've got a difficult situation, let's say I need to pray for healing for somebody, uh, and I'm praying this person, and I'm, I believe that God can heal, I believe he has the power to heal, I know that on occasions he does heal, I've got no problem with praying for that and persevering for that, that's, that's fine. What if somebody else comes along and says, would you mind praying for my friend? Am I going to say, no, I'm not going to pray for your friend because I'm praying for this person? Of course I'm not. I'm going to say, yes, of course I would pray for that. And if somebody else comes along and says, would you pray for this person, you would pray for them as well. And logically and imaginatively, you could get to a point where you are praying for loads and loads of people beyond your capacity to pray um, for every individual. And at that point, you get to the point where you say something like, well, actually, what I'm really praying for is that there is no more sickness. I'm looking at this person here and now, but actually what I'm praying for is that there is no more sickness. Not for this person, not for this person, not for that person, not for any person. I'm praying for that. And when you're praying that prayer, you're praying, Father, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because the book of Revelation tells us when God comes and in heaven, there is no sickness and there is no pain and there are no tears and all things are, uh, and all evil is vanquished. Uh, not necessarily in the here and now. We don't always see that in the here and now. Uh, and Tim Chester says that uh, sometimes our unanswered prayers, our seemingly unanswered prayers are being stored up in heaven waiting for a greater fulfillment. Because there will be that day when my prayer for healing or your prayer for healing or your prayer for resurrection resolution will be answered. Because God's kingdom will come and there will be a time where there is no more pain and there is no more suffering. Have we got the imagination to look away sometimes from the here and now? and pray with eternity in mind. Verse 5, um, Job says this, I had only heard about you before, but now I've seen you with my own eyes. Uh, in chapter 9, um, he says this, Without warning, he moves the mountains. Verse 6, he shapes the earth from its place. And then in verse 11, he says, Yet when he comes near, I cannot see him. So Job recognizes that he has some head knowledge about God. Uh, he knows that he can move mountains, he can shake the earth, but he says, I cannot see him. And yet, at the end, he recognises that he has encountered, he has seen, and he has heard God. Uh, and the great thing about the age that we live in now, post-Jesus' resurrection, is we can see God's power displayed much maybe more clearly than Job could. We can see God's power displayed on a stormy night. We can see God's dis power displayed on a clifftop with the waves crashing over. We can see God's power displayed in an act of kindness. We can see God's, uh, God's power transform, uh, at work where we work for reconciliation with other people to restore relationships. We can see God's power on display. Last night, Liz and I were in Cheltenham uh, at a street pastor's commissioning service because one of our, our daughters has become a street pastor. And what was so powerful about the service was at the beginning you had the mayor of the town, you had the high sheriff of the town. I've got no idea what a high sheriff was, but he had a very nice outfit. Um, and, uh, the, and if he's listening to this, I do apologise <laughs> for that. Uh, the high sheriff was there, uh, the MP was there, and the, uh, the lead on the, the, peace, uh, the, the police force was there. And one after another, they stood up and they said, we want to commend the work of the street pastors. We want to thank you for what you're doing because it's making a huge difference in our town. You are reaching out to some of our more vulnerable people on a Friday, Saturday night. You are not judging them. You are providing for their material and spiritual and bodily needs, and we are grateful. And they weren't all Christians. 
You know, and so they were seeing the power of God at work in, in, our, in our society. And of course, we can see God's power on display in the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus as well. Uh, Jesus, it tells us in Colossians, Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. Jesus is the, invis- the visible image of the invisible God. He uh, shows us what God is like. And so, it, so another way of raising our eyes, of, of looking away from the current situation and just asking God to, exp- to display his power a little bit more to us is to reflect on the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. Read, read the Bible through. Uh, the Gospels through. Look at those situations where, where Jesus heals, where Jesus restores, where Jesus um, speaks words of power into situations. Get to know Jesus. Go to a cell group. Meet with other people who, who believe the same thing. Uh, talk with them. Pray with them. And, and, and ask to see God's power on display. And then verse 6, uh, finally, he says, I show my repentance. And Job isn't repenting for sins that his friends have told him he has committed. He's not saying, oh, I understand, I've done these things wrong, and that's why I've got all of this suffering, therefore I'm sorry. He's saying, I've had a wrong understanding. I've had a wrong way of thinking about God. He realizes he's had a wrong understanding of God's power, and he needs to change his mindset a little bit. And so he comes to God and says, in response to your demonstration of power, I believe that... um, uh, I believe I need to change the way I'm thinking about things. And it may be that some of us need to be challenged with that this morning. Uh, and it's a sensitive issue. I appreciate that. And we're not going to put anybody later on, we're not put anybody in a position of having to put their hands up and say, oh, yeah, that's me. Um, um, but, but for some of us, we might be in that situation where we're having this unanswered prayer. And maybe we're just tempted to doubt God's goodness or we're tempted to doubt his power or his love or in the verge of giving up uh, and, and not, not being part of a fellowship at all. And if that's you, either here this morning or listening to this on the podcast, please take a moment to consider whether God wants you to say, I'm really sorry for that. Uh, It doesn't make my situation any easier. It might not make the situation go away, but it gives you a bigger vision of who God is and an opportunity to know his power. So in a moment, we're going to, we're going to sing, we're going to pray. Um, I'm going to just in a moment lead a, a general response for all of us. I'm going to invite you shortly to stand and, and to pray with me. Uh, and then Claire will come back. And if there's anything else we feel God wants to pick up on, we, we will do that um, in due course. But let me just say again, there's nothing wrong with bringing our pain and our questions to God. You know, um, Graham Allen's questions are not massive compared to all that God can do. He can cope with my questions. He can cope with my pain. But a revelation of his power shows that we need to recognize that God does not know us, owe us an explanation. You know, if we try to narrow God down to say, well, you've got to explain this to me or else I'm not going to believe in you, we are narrowing God down. And that's a danger. His power is far bigger than that. It's right to ask to see and hear from God. Place your heart and your eyes on knowing God. Seek who he is. And it's a prayer that God will answer. And if we have a vision of God that is limited, we need to recognize and ask God to change our mindset. Pray with eternity in mind as well as in the present. We go on holiday to Cornwall uh, from time to time and there's a go-karting place we go to. Um, And uh, there's a range of go-karts you can go on. Um, The the smallest one is that one. Um, That's a coin-operated go-kart. It's probably slightly more powerful than the one that was shown in Riverside News. Um, but it goes, you put your coin in and you go around about eight miles an hour on this small little track um, and then you get off and that's it. Um, and for some of us and for some people, that is their view of God. I will put my coin in and I will get out what I need and that's it. 
That's the extent of my relationship. It's not very turbocharged. But at the other end of the scale, there's this one. It's called the Thundercart. And that one on the website doesn't tell you how fast that one goes. It doesn't have a limit. Um, and so that's the one that I go on. <laughs> and you go in, and you put your helmet on, and you put your overalls on, and you have your safety briefing, and then you go out, and there's a safety car that takes you around the first lap to get the feel of it, and then the safety car moves away, and you're off. And you're flying. And you zip down the straight, and you go around the corners, and you are looking, and I am in control of this car. I know, I, I'm, I've got this. And you do that for about 10 minutes, and then you get out, and you take your helmet off, and they give you a piece of paper that tells you your lap times and your scores. And that's when you look at it, and I go, oh, that was 20 miles an hour. <laughs> I could have sworn I was doing at least 100. <laughs> and then you look at it, and you think, I only did three laps. Right, how many did you do? 10? Oh, <laughs> what was your average lap time? Two and a half hours. What was that for 10 minutes? And you suddenly realize that you have no way begun to harness the power of the cart that you're in. And for some of us, we need to be able to say, God, I haven't begun to harness, I haven't begun to understand the power that is available to me in my everyday life, whether it's at home, at school, at work, wherever we happen to be. God, would you show me a little bit more of your power? Show me a little bit more of, uh, demonstrate your power um, in my life. Could I invite us to stand? And I'd just like to pray just over us once more the verses that Paul played, uh, that Paul prayed. And then I'll hand just back to, to Claire. If that's okay. Okay. So you may want to close your eyes. You may want to lift your hands. You may want to put your hands in front of you. Do whatever is, is comfortable for yourself. And it doesn't matter this morning whether you're here for the first time or the umpteenth time. And it doesn't matter whether you are in the, currently in the middle of a really, really difficult situation that you can't see the way out of or whether things are going quite well for you at the moment. It doesn't matter. Because the word that I want to bring to us this morning is revelation. God wants us to understand more about him, whatever our situation. And he knows the pain and he knows the suffering and he knows the hardships and he knows the faithfulness of the prayers that are being prayed. And he honours those. And he thanks you for them. And he honours the prayers of friends and families and those who gather around you to pray. And it's still right to pray for breakthrough because God is perfectly capable of doing that. And for some this morning, there may well be breakthrough. There may well be healing. That's nothing I've said would take us away from that. But there may also be apparent silence. Apparent inaction. And our prayer this morning for ourselves and for those standing either side of us and in front of us and behind us, our prayer for ourselves as a community of faith is, Lord, give us revelation. Can we put aside our need for explanation, however tempting and however driven that is? Give us revelation. Our prayer this morning is, Father, can I see more of your power in my life? Can I see more of your power on display around me and the lives of others? in whatever form you choose to reveal it. And would you expand my imagination so I can see it and learn more about you? Because Father, the greatest glory and the greatest honor is to know you, to experience you. So Father, I just pray these words once more. We pray 
that we will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. And this is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand and in the heavenly realms. And all God's people said, Amen.